fantastic week to be a professional wrestling fan again. I have re-fallen in love with the wonderful, wonderful world of professional wrestling. And it's so nice to hear professional wrestlers call themselves wrestlers. Amazing. I'm on cloud nine. I loved All Out. I was, you know, I, I loved it. We're going to talk about that today. I'm Jack Slammer. With me, as always, is my brother, Steve Slammer. Steve, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing great. Competition has arrived. As a matter of fact, I'm glad you said All Out, because when you said you had fallen in love with professional wrestling again, I automatically assumed that you meant Reggie. So I was glad <laughs> to see that it was something on the other brand, on the other show, the other company that is apparently uh, piqued your interest, or as uh, the great CM Punk would say in the in the post-show interview, uh, gave you a boner for the uh, for the new uh, the new world that we're living in. Well, here's the thing, man. So on Friday, I went to a really, really, really good independent wrestling show, and I'm just thinking to myself now because I saw some guys who we will definitely see next level at some point. Now, I don't know where they're going to be on the card, but they will definitely make it to that next level some point. And it just does my heart some good to know that there's going to be places for those guys to go. Not just a place for those guys to go, but places as in options, as in two viable major platforms where they could showcase their skills and, you know, continue to build this resurgence of professional wrestling and you said it best there's competition now i'm looking at the aew roster after what happened and for those of you who did not watch all out i'm going to give you a brief spoiler right now as though you haven't heard about it uh brian daniel or he goes by brian daniels now well that well that is his real name brian danielson okay so former the former daniel bryan the former Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson, is back as a babyface. Adam Cole is here as a heel. Bay Bay. Adam, Adam Cole, Bay Bay, is here. But he's here as a heel, and he teamed up with the Elite, which is a very, very interesting move, which I actually did not hate. Because it's like, okay, how many, how many guys from the other company can come in and just automatically have like a freaking love fest with the audience? One of those guys was bound to have to be a heel, right? So I was all, I liked it. Then you had Ruby Soho who came in, uh, made her debut. Former, former Ruby Riot, yeah. Former Ruby Riot. I, I thought that, and we'll get into that, uh, I don't think, I think she should have came in and whooped ass, I don't think she deserved that win, not immediately, I think Thunder Rosa should have had it, because she's a fan favorite, she's worked her ass off, and she's been the number two contender, it made the most sense, but she's probably going to be feuding with Red Velvet for a while, um, so we'll, we'll, we'll get to see that go down, um, so I figure we haven't done this yet, uh, oh, or, you're, you're, you're forgetting about Minoru Suzuki? Minoru Suzuki. Oh, God. Please. All Man, the- on, a, on a show of surprises and the very first one out the gate, Minoru Suzuki coming in to confront John Moxley. But we'll get into that. We'll get into that. We will get into that. And I'm so sorry because I'm actually a big Suzuki fan. <laughs> so 
All right, any any of you J Japanese wrestling fans, I apologize. Please do not beat the crap out of me in public when you see me. It was an honest mistake. I was not disrespecting the Japanese wrestling legend. They, they will leave you alone so long as you're not wearing that replica 24-7 title that you like to wear around. That's all. Dude, you know what? Part of me, dude, as a joke for you, I want to buy you that belt. <laughs> That's like your birthday present. Yeah, you know what? What I'm going to do is I'm going to have the Rattlesnake-style uh, WWE belt, and I'm going to have that. Let you think that that's the belt I bought you. They're like, oh, no, no, no. Drape it over my shoulder. That's my belt. Here's your belt. <laughs> and then it's the 24-7 title. Now, now, now. We both know that if you're going to go get yourself a belt, it's going to be that classic, that classy, that classic Intercontinental Championship belt. Absolutely. Well, I mean, we, we've said this every single show. It is the most beautiful belt that we have ever seen. Um, so I am going to apologize to everybody for a moment here. Um, I'm, everybody knows I'm constantly rooting for Jungle Boy. I think he's got a big career ahead of him. I think he's one of the best. Actually, I, I think arguably in terms of homegrown AEW talent, he's probably the best one so far who didn't like build a name for himself elsewhere just to come into the company um but i miss the best friends and jurassic express versus the heart the hardy family office uh it was a 10-man tag i'm sick of that gimmick in aew um i joined in a little bit late because i had to hang out with my daughter um or actually i got to hang out with my daughter i should Woo! say um yeah. Well, I had to. Well, I had to put her, let her go to sleep, right? So she has a routine. I was doing the dad thing. You what did CM Punk to put her to sleep? I mean, you could go to sleep. Does. You know what? I think child services would have a major problem uh, with me, like right. okay. giving my daughter the GTS. Um, no, you're right. The only the only one on the roster that wrestles children is Kenny Omega. But I digress. I digress. We digress here. Oh God. Uh, he has a nickname on another podcast, but I don't, I don't think we have the juice to say that nickname out loud. All right, so this match, how did you feel about it? Did I miss anything special? No. The Hardy family office needs to go away. I think you said everyone's sick of the Hardy family office. I think the one that's most sick of it has to be Matt Hardy. I mean, for, for a guy who's positioned as this this – you know, he's going to open doors. You know, it's the Hardy family office. The, 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 the marquee that lights up when he comes out is like in the form of money. Yeah. Have they ever won a match? They have not won a damn match. Not that I have seen. I, maybe they have. Oh, wait, yeah, yeah. They, they did a, we a couple weeks back. Um, they won a trios tag match. Well, here, here's what I'll tell you about this. I mean, it's it was the, it was the pre-show free match, right? So yeah. typically... Typically, the baby faces win the pre-show, pre-match, just to kind of get you interested in, in uh, ordering the pay-per-view. Although, you know, my $50 was locked in the moment CM Punk was announced, but yeah. that's just me. Um, the match itself was, was what it was. Jungle Boy uh, wins with the snare trap for the submission victory. Nothing, nothing to really write home about. Uh, you know, everyone had their, their little moment to shine. Um, and that's really all I have to say about it. I mean, this was the... This was the free bread. This wasn't even the appetizer. This was the free bread. Yeah. Before the appetizer came, before your multi-course meal that led up to the dessert that was what happened after the main event. Dude, okay. So if you had, because we are going to grade every match today. Let's do it. Because it is a review. 
I am disqualifying myself from grading this one because I didn't see it. What did, what would you grade the match? It was a C plus. I mean, like I said, it, it, it did what it was supposed to do in terms of, uh, you know, just filling the time, giving somebody an app or giving somebody who might be on the fence an appetizer. But I don't think that there's anybody out there. I mean, I could be wrong. You know, maybe maybe research will prove me wrong, but it's it's kind of hard for me to believe that there was somebody out there who was on the fence about ordering all out and then saw that and said, yes, I'm going to fork down my fifty dollars now. I, so it was what it was. I agree. I think it was. I think it was sold to whoever was going to buy it the minute that CM Punk put his name on it. I think that that's what maximized the amount of buys. Personally, I think with all the new talent going in, they want to do right by Jungle Boy and a few of the other guys who've been there for a while, but they didn't really quite have anything for them this pay per view. So they're like, "Hey, we're going to put you all together. Thanks for your thanks for your hard work. You know, the five guys on." What's up? Well, you know, don't don't be so sure about that because who came back at the close of the main event? Jungle Boy. Jungle Boy, Jurassic. Right. Mark, even Marco Stunt, I think. Was, I like Marco's. I like yes. Marco Stunt. I like Marco Stunt. <laughs> I, I think. I think what we're gonna see, and and we'll get we'll get a little bit ahead of ourselves here, but I think what we're seeing is is they're keeping Jungle Boy in the in the vicinity of that main event scene yep. that is now becoming very crowded with massive star power. Yep. But he's still he's still there. He is. And, yeah. They're keeping and, him. And, and exactly, and that, and that is what is needed to do. It is not his time yet, but as we are gonna as we're gonna talk about when we get into the the Punk Allen match, there are ways to elevate that talent, and I'm excited to see what how a Jungle Boy can benefit from this this influx of just absolute star power. Well, here here's what I see now. I I see you've got three legitimate A-list stars now on the roster. You've got a solid B tier, you've got a C tier, and then you have a bunch of young, hungry, freaking wolves in that locker room who want to elevate themselves, and now they have something to aspire to be. I think I think it's it's only going to be better in the long run for the talent. I think it, you're going to a lot of guys are going to get a little less time on TV, but they're going to be elevated in ways that they never thought possible. Well, this is where the adults in the room need to start actually deciding who's getting TV time, why are they getting TV time, what is it advancing, and honestly, for a company like AEW, who now has the Friday night show, and they have that AEW dark on, on the internet, which is hours, there is not a reason to make, to, to for example, to give 20 minutes of TV time to the Hardy family office anymore. Exactly. Push them to dark. Mm-hmm. And save that TV time to push what's going on with your Malachi Blacks, with your, you know, what's going on with the elite. And, and we'll talk about that here as, as we go along. Uh, Miro, as, as we'll talk about when we, you know, the first match. So yep. th- there's just a lot of stuff going on. And now somebody has to, again, be the adult in the room. Got you, it's, it's business now. You can't worry about hurt feelings mm-hmm. and your pet projects. There has to be a plan to maximize this talent and to maximize on this opportunity, this buzz that's now going around because it is a real buzz. Mm-hmm. No, I, I completely agree with you. Now, 
now as I was saying, like remember in W, what I remember in so many podcasts with WCW, the one thing that a lot of the wrestlers missed about having two major corporations was now the wrestlers actually had leverage. So if they were unhappy in one spot, they could go to another spot. Now it's one of those things where I feel like the other company that we're not going to talk about today, those wrestlers are now going to have power in their hands also to be able to say, hey, I'm not going to let you take my character to this dumbass cartoony spot. We're going we're gonna to change that. Or they at least have a little more leverage. Well, you, you say we're not going to talk about them, but let's actually talk about them for a minute because, yeah. in my opinion, everything positive going on over over in AEW right now is happening because of WWE. So if you if you go back a year, which is a little unfair because it was the pandemic, but look at what's happened. So you know it started, in my opinion, when you bring in Miro, the, the former Rusev, mm-hmm. and they saddle him with that awful best man gimmick, and they eventually figured it out, and now he's back to being a beast. Um, WWE started with that, but then they got away from it. They started getting cute. They started doing the Rusev Day nonsense, right? Malachi Black, you know, when he was Alistair Black, awesome promos. He's over here now. I'm digging what they're doing with him. Christian Cage, he comes back from injury, and he was never going to be put in this position in WWE, and they just let him go. They let him go. They let Black go. So as opposed to, like, in WCW versus the, the WWF back in the 90s when it was, to your point, hey, I have another place to go in these cases, with the exception of my understanding is of Adam Cole, who they were trying, and, and probably Danielson, who they were trying to resign. In the case of Black, in the case of Miro, in the case of Christian Cage, in the case of maybe Bray Wyatt coming down the road, yeah. in the case of Ruby Riot, they just let these people go. Yeah. They, I mean, you are correct in that respect. They let these people go, and they basically just made AEW what they are today by virtue of just letting solid talent go. But in fairness, there's like we were just saying, WWE had a massive roster. They have about $120 million on payroll. They want to get that down to about $70 million worth of payroll. You got all this talent, not a lot of TV to push them. Now, it's probably not a bad thing for WWE either if you really want to think about it because now instead of keeping these guys on ice, they can go somewhere else, stay relevant, uh, keep building their names, and then, hey, three, two to three years later, I mean, we are. this is what's going to happen. Every two to three years, guys from AEW are going to go back to WWE and vice versa. We've seen that dance, that dance happen. But to your point, you are correct. Like, What's happened in WWE has given AEW a significant boost because AEW is the company that has the pocket, the pockets to pay these guys what, they, what they're worth. So instead of those guys just waiting on the couch with their millions and millions of dollars waiting for the WWE to call them back, they get to stay active, make even more money at AEW, and call it and uh, you know keep it going. But speaking of the first match, oh, you had a thought there. No, I was I was going to agree with everything that you said. I think that um, it's an opportunity. All they can do is, as I've been saying in the last couple episodes, all they can do is fuck it up. And, hey, you know, before we get into the first match, the last Dynamite before this last Wednesday? Yeah. I hated every minute of that show. You did. I thought they, I thought they screwed up the bill to Punk and Darby Allen. Mm-hmm. The close of the show with the elite beating down all the baby faces in the cage was ridiculous. 
And I was like, what are we doing? And then they come back here and they get it right. And I think that that's, everyone's got all this positivity as well we should and, and optimism about what's going to happen next. But then a show like Dynamite this past Wednesday just makes me just, you know, pump the brakes a little bit because they, with all this talent and all this opportunity, they could fuck it up. And as a matter of fact, and as we talk about some of these matches, in my opinion, they got some of it wrong. Now, that's just my opinion. Yeah. But with that said, let's get into the first match, shall we? Let's get into the first match. And goddamn, I love this match. Like, you and I were, were chatted up on Facebook last night during the whole event, uh, here and there, little, little bits and pieces. But was this not just a good old-fashioned Haas fight between two big boys working stiff? Uh, Miro finally got tested. Um Kingston put on a great performance. The way that Kingston was selling punches while no selling punches was freaking amazing. How he's getting hit and you just see the slobber going down his face and he's trying to take him tough uh, for the first time in a long time. I mean, Miro hadn't really been in the ring longer than seven minutes, they were saying before. This is like the longest match, and I think both guys delivered. And look at, did you see Miro's peck, bro, from those yeah, chops? His, his chest and he's a and he's a, a darker skinned guy to begin with yeah his like when he was having trouble lifting the belt at the end i wasn't sure if that was legit because that was the side with that peck that had all the bruising on it yep. like that was that was rough those guys both work stiff they both brought it they put on an amazing match and dude that's all that's all you really want to see from a Haas fight you want to see some good wrestling some good near falls um for me, I was thoroughly entertained from front to back. I did not see anything in that match that I did not like. It definitely makes me want to see what happens next for Kingston, who I feel deserves some great stuff. But then also now I'm like, well, who do they have for Miro who's going to push him like Kingston just did? That's my next question because it's got to be a hoss. It's got to be somebody you you believe who can beat him, or you just feed him, feed him, uh, you know, feed him some uh, guppies until you can find a find a whale, right? Well, I think they did enough here to warrant a rematch with Kingston. As a matter of fact, I think, I mean that that Chicago crowd was hot from start to finish of yes, the show, they were. but with the with the forget about the surprises for a minute and forget about Punk for a minute since it was his first match of the AEW regulars. There's an argument to be made that the loudest pop of the night was Freddie Kingston. Yep, 100%. That crowd was all about him. I loved his Redeem These Nuts shirt. Yeah. <laughs> I love that shirt. But, he, you know, he, he it, it was a logical match. I think the, the ending was a little too convoluted for my liking with the low blow, especially since he's supposed to be this beast. Um, I'm glad that they didn't have him uh tap him to the the accolade or whatever he calls yeah. it now but um i thought it was a great match i thought that they did enough to to protect kingston to to warrant a rematch if they decide to go back there i think based mm -hmm. on the reaction of that crowd they should yeah because to your point there's there's really nothing who's who's around for miro to work with right now until they identify that person and by the way based on this that person could end up being eddie kingston yeah 100%. as a matter of fact I, as a matter of fact i had this thought during this match because I, I at first I didn't like Miro as the TNT champion and now I'm kind of taking to it although I gotta say the white strap with the green uh ribboning on the on the belt just I don't I don't like that I, yeah. I 
I like the red strap, and I, I was accepting the black strap, but the white strap ugh, just doesn't work for me. It only works with the intercontinental belt. Every other belt, yeah. just not my thing with the white strap. But I, but I had this, I had this thought of because I, I, I keep thinking to myself, who would make a really good TNT champion? You know, I, I, I'm, I'm glad that they're going with Miro. And, and the thought that I had was, is eventually you have Kingston beat Miro. And then he has a very short title reign before he drops it to the guy who I think would make an excellent TNT champion, and that would be MJF. MJF would be sensational. You were you were thinking yeah. MJF. I was thinking Malachi Black. But MJF would probably be better because Malachi's got one of those gimmicks where he doesn't need the belt. Yeah, I think, I think MJF, well, we'll talk about that when we get to that match, but he, he needs something. Yeah. And I have some thoughts, so... But yeah, so uh, Kingston and Miro, you know, solid opening match. The crowd was hot. They did just enough. Uh, grading this match, I gave it an A minus. You gave it an A minus. Uh, considering the pop, considering I could find nothing wrong with this match whatsoever, um, I gave it a solid A. Solid A yeah, with the, it. Like, like I said, the minus was just for the low blow at the end. Like I just didn't yeah. like it. But you know, for me, I wasn't really taken back by the low blow because part of me was like, you know what? This guy's withstood everything he's thrown at him. Miro is still technically kind of on the gate of being a heel and a baby face. He's kind of in between right now. So I'm cool with the low blow. Solid A yeah, for me. Yeah, I just, I, I worry about the, I, I understand God's favorite champion thing is kind of meant to be like heelish, but you know, he's supposed to be a beast. He's supposed to be God's favorite champion. Then he has to kick Eddie Kingston in the balls to beat him. It's like, eh, okay. Good match though. It was a great match. Speaking of really, really, really good matches, dare I say great matches, and it starts with me. I'm sorry. You walk out to Wild Thing, and I actually believe you. You already go up a letter grade. I don't care if you just go out to the ring and take a crap in a box, right? Like, you're automatically up a grade for me. But Moxley uh, versus Satoshi Kojima, I, you know, admittedly, I've seen a couple of Satoshi's matches um, I didn't know how huge he was in New Japan. Uh, that's on me, everybody. But those two had a sensational match. It was very hard-hitting. It was very back and forth. A um, lot of stuff I loved in there. Yeah, there was some stuff that was a little herky-jerky, a little glitchy here and there. But nothing that took me out of the match, right? Like, I'm okay with things being herky-jerky. And, in fact, sometimes I think it, like, it adds to the match when it's not perfect and all flowy especially when you got two rough guys um i had nothing bad to say about this match i was entertained i love the run-in after the match was there um what were your thoughts on this one steve um you know hey so good crossover match for that niche american audience that likes new japan stuff um so you know going back to what we were talking about at the beginning about AEW now being competition, but it, part of the other thing with their with their ability to maintain that is not just the people that they're bringing in, but also the fact that they cater to these little niche audiences, right? So yeah. even though we were both negative about the Nick Gage thing a couple of weeks, we were. They did it. They did it. Yeah. You know, they've got this partnership with Impact Wrestling, which, you know, I could I could take or leave. I'm not. I think Impact's just not on the level, but you know that's fine. But they're doing it and now they have this partnership with new japan and they're bringing in not just random new japan guys but like legit new japan guys right yeah. so you know we got to see satoshi kojima 
the match itself was fine. The you know the double paradigm shift at the end, you know, fine. The the money moment of uh, Minoru Suzuki coming out, and that's going to be a for anyone who hasn't seen Minoru Suzuki work, you're and they're apparently giving it away on free TV because that was that match was announced announced for Dynamite. Damn, Moxley and Minoru Suzuki, that's gonna be that, that's gonna be rough. I, for those of you who are listening on the podcast right now, I've got goosebumps right now because uh, Jr. made a uh, made a really good comment on commentary, but he was only half joking. He was like, "Yeah, I had I had dinner with Suzuki one time, and I was afraid to chew too loud. <laughs> like that's a guy in the locker room you just don't mess with." Yeah, you know, it, the, the Wild Thing song is over. I, I had this thought: um, the Wild Thing song is over. But I get this feeling that the John Moxley tweener lone wolf character, which kind of skews a little towards the babyface side, is starting to skew a little towards the heel side. Yeah. Um, well, that's the thing about Moxley. He's like one of, to me. He's uh, he's one of those Steve Austin, Randy Savage type guys to where he's a likable heel, but he could work babyface, work heel. I'm okay with tweeners. Like for me. Like, there's certain guys who can pull that off, and Moxley is just one of them. So him acting a little too heelish one day or a little too babyfacious one day does not take me out of his character because that's just who he is. Um, and quite frankly, I think, uh, you know, if you go into the tier system uh, of AEW, you know, clearly I don't – clearly, you know, some would have him on the A-list. I think he's one step below that one just v- – barely below that one but i think he's the top of that list right now well well you know the 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 balloon is only so large and now with all this this top level talent coming in everyone gets pushed down and we've talked about that with the likes of jungle boy and certainly john moxley's not immune to that but i think a a pissed off disgruntled kind of heelish john moxley who's pissed off because the cm punks of the world are now Mm -hmm. here that could be interesting i think I think it all depends on what Punk wants to do, and I don't want to get too much into the Punk discussion, but you know, there, there's always dream matches we can we can dream up. You know, oh Moxley versus Punk, but if Punk's real desire here is to elevate young talent, Moxley doesn't need the rub. So well, yeah, you know, we'll we'll see what happens with that. But uh, for the moment, the match itself was fine. The the post match moment was good. It was it yeah. was well done. It wasn't it wasn't hokey. It set up the match for for dynamite, which I'm really looking forward to. Overall, I gave the whole situation a B minus. B minus. Um, personally, since I loved it, I was entertained by it. Um, I thought it was not as good as uh, the Miro Kingston match, but that's because until Punk came out. That was my favorite match of the night. Like I was like, okay, this is the bar. This is the bar you have to beat from for the night. Like for the best match of the night, this is the bar. Um, but yeah, I would I would give it a B plus um, because of the setup, because of the match itself. Good hard hitting. Those guys really acted within themselves and brought out a sensational match. Um, there was some stuff that I you know that I could have left, but you know for me B plus loved it. Um, Definitely. I think. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, it was just it was just a good match. Definitely was on the right spot of the card. Both the first two matches really set a tone, 
And I could honestly see if you're you were somebody who was like, I'm really just here for punk, so I'm just gonna like drift out, maybe play my Xbox until I hear punk on. I could see those two matches being the ones where it's like, you know what? I'm dialed in. Let's see what you got. I paid fifty bucks. Let's let's watch the whole card. They're they're giving you a little bit of everything. They are. You know, it, it's a buffet. It is, and to, to your point, um, going into how they're doing little relationships with New Japan, with GCW, with Impact, you know, really letting all these little crowd or these, not little crowds, these niche crowds know that, hey, there's something here for you. You're welcome here. We, we don't, we don't, what I think the message that they're giving is, it's like, look, we are everything. You're a, we're building this big thing that includes you, not excludes you. We're not better than you. We're just something that provides a bigger platform. I think that's the message that they're giving, if I'm making sense there. Um, no, it, it, it's, it's an interesting approach in that, you know, when you're, try, when you're talking about attracting an audience and WWE's audience is everybody. Yeah. Right? Like they're trying to attract, you know, kids and their parents and people from the mainstream. You know, they just announced this partnership where they're going to be making customized Major League Baseball plated championship belt replicas like they're, they're, they're getting involved in everything right and then on the on the other side AEW it feels like they're trying to consolidate you know core groups of professional wrestling fans which is interesting you know it's an interesting approach eventually they're going to have to expand out and, I, and again I think with the with the talent that they have now would be the time to start a mass marketing campaign and you put up these recognizable faces I mean you go you go into Times Square in New York City and you put up a big poster uh, you know of punk and and Daniel uh, Brian Danielson and then around them you put like a Darby Allen or a Jungle Boy like if I'm walking through Times Square I'm like oh I know those two yeah exactly right and yep. then you bring attention to your product so it'll be it, it's it's a fascinating time but hey I think also real quick now is a good time to to let everybody know because to, to make sure it's legit I did before the event send you my prediction since we didn't get an opportunity to do a prediction show and I went eight and two in my predictions here. I went nine and one in my SummerSlam predictions. So overall, I'm seventeen and three. You're I'm seventeen. You are seventeen and three. You are seventeen and three in terms of all picks. So basically, next time I go gambling in Vegas on the wrestling odds, <laughs> I'm just gonna put money on whatever you want. So we had a great well, question in the chat here right now. Ooh, okay, um, here we go. Okay, uh, Seductive Steel says, okay, I don't know if you guys explained this before, but what do you mean by babyface? So that's an excellent question. Um, so in every re most wrestling matches, you have what's called the babyface, which is the good guy, or you have the heel, which is the bad guy. And then when we say something like a tweener, it's somebody in between a babyface and a heel, somebody who is cheered but they act like a heel or maybe somebody who's booed but they act like a total baby face like something like that right where they are the good guy but they're hated or they're the bad guy but they're loved type of situation uh but to, traditionally heel means bad guy baby face means good guy so i'm gonna i'm gonna somewhat date myself with these references but but baby face is like john mcclane and die hard yep Heel is Hans Gruber in Die Hard. Very much so. And Tweener is the Michael Douglas character in Falling Down. Yes. <laughs> All right, that is, I, I cannot, I hope that answers your question, Seductive Steel. There you go. 
All right. He he got it. He he gave us the thumbs up in the chat. Okay, and moving on to the next match, which I I loved a lot too, actually. I thought it was a great match. Um Dr. Britt Baker, DMD D. versus Chris Stratland Statlander, my apologies. Um thought it was a good Hard-hitting match. Loved it. it. It was so good, it got Orange Cassidy to say some words on the outside With of the ring. a heavily emoting Orange Cassidy, which was like, what the? Dude, it got, this match got Orange Cassidy to emote as opposed, like, the dude can't even give a full thumbs up. His thumbs up is like this. <laughs> so, he got a full emote. Um, you know, for me, definitely wasn't close to match of the night, but it definitely wasn't something that made me not want to, you know, it's, it definitely didn't make me regret spending my 50 bucks. There was nothing in the match that made me go, oh, this is stupid or made me drift off. It was just one of those matches I think did exactly what it needed to do. Both put in a lot, some great effort. They got some good pops from the crowd. Um, I think you got to, uh, Dr. Britt Baker needs to stay champ for a while because she's the most dominant woman in that company. Uh, she's the best on the mic, arguably the best in the ring right now. Um, I, I hope she gets to keep the title for a very long time. Uh, Steve, I'll leave it to you. How'd you feel about this match? It was better than it had any right to be. And yep. that's the best compliment I can give it. So I'll say it was a, uh, it was a B plus. B plus, I, th dude. This is this is a first of the night. You gave this one a higher grade than I did. Oh. I actually gave it a B minus, but okay. but it did what it needed to do. It got some pops. I just felt like it it needed a little more. But you know, it definitely was not a bad match. B minus here. You know, people forget because we haven't graded in a while. We are very tough graders. So a B. If you're anywhere from the C plus up. It was a great match. It was it, Remember, great by C other is standards. Average. C, C is average. C is average. C is average. Anything above that is better. All right. So moving on. Oh, Here this. Here we go. Oh God. You know what? I will preface it by saying this. I liked eighty percent of this match, and then they got way too unrealistic and way too cartoony with it. I am, of course, talking about the Young Bucks versus the Lucha Brothers in a steel cage match that was supposedly designed so that nothing nothing, and no one could get in or interfere. And it was Texas Tornado rules, meaning that both guys were fight, both pairs were fighting at the same time. You know, Steve, I know I'm going to, this is where we're going to probably disagree on a lot of, this is going to be the one we disagree on a little bit, but, but just follow my logic here. From the opening match up until that stupid little fucking boot with the thumbtacks got thrown in, I actually was like, holy crap, this is a good match. You know, granted, it is, I thought it was a pretty good match. They used the cage logically at places. Yeah, it was a little choreographed, but you know what to expect in, you know, with that. With what we were given, I was all for that. But then I'm the type of guy who likes near falls. But I don't like near falls after you basically just conducted, uh, I don't know, attempted murder. Uh, and the guy mean, just you manages. Mean, you, you mean a super Canadian destroyer off the top rope that gets a two count? Yeah. 
Yeah, the the super Canadian destroyer that gets a two count, uh, the crossbody from the high up cage. And let me ask this question. If the whole purpose is no one and nothing gets in, no one and nothing gets out, why not put a fucking roof on the cage? That's... Well, be- because then it would be uh, war games or uh, blood and guts. I'm sorry, that's what they call it, blood and guts. Oh, my God. So, anyways, up until a point, I liked it. And I'm a Lucha Brothers fan. Like, I love the Lucha Brothers. They're great performers. They're a great tag team. Um, I... I'm actually happy that they got the titles put on them because they're such great workers. Um, genuinely surprised me. This was one of the two I got wrong. I, that, that genuinely surprised me that they did the title change. Yeah, I, I know. I know you were like the EVPs were all the EVPs were going to hang on to the titles. And this one, though, I will say what this match did. It did cast a little bit of doubt for me in the main event where part of me was just hmm. thinking. And I even told you this in the Facebook chat that we were having. I was like, are they going to? Are they going to just use this as an opportunity to drop the belts, go away for a little bit, let the new ground get established, and then come back to be the thorns in the sides of the new talent that's coming in? That was the angle I thought they were going to play because these guys have been pretty prominent for a while. Um, But them actually losing the belt made the main event way way less predictable for me, I should say. Um, So it did that. Honestly, for me, even though I didn't like a lot of the glitches in the match, it didn't do enough for me to just tank it. It wasn't an F. It wasn't a D for me. Um, I thought it was it was a great match up until I, I did not like the thumbtack boot. And for me personally, I'm like, when you're dealing with that level of talent, you don't need to do shit like that. Um, those guys are way above gimmicks like that or stuff like that, in my opinion. Um because of how talented both teams are. I know I know we give the Young Bucks a little crap, but they do have talent. Like, that's not to be denied. Um, so, yeah, what were your thoughts on this match? I'm, I'm dying to hear your thoughts. Well, so I had to go back and rewatch it. Okay. So in, in real time, I had a, a visceral reaction to what I was seeing. And then as it's going on, I'm reading some of the instant reactions and the reviews, and I'm seeing things like match of the year. And I'm like, we had to have been watching two different things. Yeah, I think, well, they use the term polarizing figures. I think if we can be honest, the, the, the now former tag team champions of the, of AEW, the young bucks are very polarizing. Whereas people either think, they're the most underrated tag team of all times. These guys are great. I watch AEW. They they are they are the best tag team. They're better than the New Day. They're better than this tag team, that tag team, the Usos. They're the best, right? There's the, there's that camp, and then there's other camps who are just like, nah, bro. <laughs> and you know, go ahead though. I want to hear the well, rest of your thoughts. Well, so as I go as I go back and I rewatch it, I still didn't like the totality of it i thought everyone worked really hard obviously yeah but there's just there's things when it comes to young bucks matches they're just things about their matches and the way that they construct their matches that are just so hard to take and it has nothing to do with the athleticism and has everything to do with the illogical corny convoluted bullshit that they do yeah so you know hey i, I will say this though the the lucha brothers entrance how great was that 
That was that was a great entrance. Um, that that was awesome. It was a very very awesome entrance. Uh, I loved I loved their entrance. I loved dude. Like I said, I loved eighty percent of the match. It was a really good match. It, I just didn't like it when it got illogical. And for me, illogical is like once you've committed attempted murder in the ring, but they're still going. Uh, the heavy near falls. Um, like the well, o- the overdoing of the near falls after like like you said the Canadian Death Destroyer, and then that gets a two count. Well, there, there's there's illogical, and then there's just stupid. Yeah, right. So like illogical. So for me, illogical in this match was the stuff like at the beginning they did like the dosido where they they switch places and then dosido again. Like that's 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 corny, but it's like whatever. Yeah. Um, a lot of in stereo stuff a lot of you know a lot of stuff that is clearly choreographed you know the spots where the lucha brothers were doing the the spears on each side of the cage through the ropes and then both young bucks moved out of the way at the same time yeah like it's like it's stuff like that that just looks overly choreographed and then the spot where they were doing progressively more complex diamond cutters yeah so it's like you start with a regular diamond cutter, then you're doing an over-the-top diamond cutter, yep. then you're doing, then he does a diamond cutter on both of them at the same time. It's like, yeah. why, why, <laughs> why? Um, the uh, so then you get to the shoot, right? So Cutler yep. throws the. By the way, got great throw by Cutler. Oh, that was an amazing throw. Like, cause if, cause if you, if you go too strong or too weak on that one, and you accidentally hit that front row, somebody in the front row gets a special souvenir. That could have gone bad very quickly, but I give him props. That was a good throw. And then how high was that cage? Like 20 feet? It looked like about that, right? It looked about 20 feet in the air, yeah. So so they throw, so he pulls out the shoe, and right away I'm like, oh, here we go. Like, what, why? Why? This is, the match itself was fine. I mean, like I said, I don't, I don't, I'm not a fan of the over, overly choreographed stuff, but it was fine for what it was up until that point. It wasn't the most hard to take Young Bucks match I've ever seen, but then. He pulls out the shoe. The crowd kind of pops for it a little bit. They give him the Usyk fuck chant. Yeah. Um, they use the shoe. Phoenix does his comeback. Um, and then at that point, the match just gets full on stupid. And it was the moment when uh, it was Ray Phoenix jumped up on the cage. And then one of the other bucks jumped up on the cage with them. And they were kind of like swatting at each other. Yeah. They were, I guess they were supposed to be punching. Yeah, yeah. And then they both fall between the ropes and the cage. But it's it was um, Penta and I think Matt Jackson that were getting ready to do package pile drivers on each other yeah. while staring at each other and playing to the crowd. Yeah. And now I'm thinking to myself, like, we're a tag team, right? Yep. And you're getting ready to package pile driver somebody and someone's getting ready to package pile driver me. And instead of coming to save my ass you decide not only am i gonna not save your ass but i'm gonna basically high five the guy who's packaged yes yes absolutely in this world tag team title match it's like why and then it gets and then it gets even worse because then they do the super canadian destroyer spot gets a two count yep it looked vicious it looked should have ended the match Dude, I then, I was legitimately like, is is Matt okay? Which which Jackson took it? Was it Nick or Matt? I believe it was Matt. Yeah, Matt. I was like, 
is this dude okay? Like, cause you know, you never can really, when it's that fast, you can't see where the head is placed in the thighs with that. But I was like, uh, at the very least, he should have been out of the match at that point. Like he should have been. But he's up on his feet 45 seconds later. Exactly. That's not, 100%. Not to, get, not, not to skip ahead to the end, but during the, the end of the, 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 the show, when Jurassic Express came in, Yep. Luchasaurus got hit with two shitty-looking belt shots from Kenny Omega and four stomps from the Young Bucks, and he played dead for six minutes. Yes, he did. He didn't move. He, he looked that like is he was correct. shot. Yes, and here, Matt Jackson takes a Super Canadian Destroyer. He's up in 45 seconds. Then they do that spot where they're so, they're all standing in a circle, mm-hmm. and they're taking turns super kicking each other yes. in a circle. Yep. And then there's one land. There's one man left standing at the end of that. Then they kick up. They do another set of super kicks to each other in a circle. And yep. at that point, I'm just like, just, just get get to the end already. So then they do the spot where it was. Uh, I think it was Phoenix did the the splash off the, the, the top off the, of the cage, cage yep and then they immediately go into the the tandem pile driver combo move I don't, I don't remember what they call it but that that drop pile driver it's a sick looking and, finish yeah yeah but compared to the super canadian destroyer it wasn't no it was not <laughs> and so we get the new uh, AEW world tag team champions just too many spots that were just overly convoluted. I don't know why the Bucks feel this need to do these overly complex um, spots that are just like, not to keep getting into it, but the one they did where he did the, it was like a modified Samoan drop to which another Jackson did a 450 splash. Yeah. And immediately the other Jackson comes and does the moonsault and it's like, why? Yeah. And it never gets, it never gets a three count. No, it does not, and it's overdone. Yeah, no, I, I see what you mean, and then, and plus your style of things, you want it logical as though, hey, this is a legitimate combat like sport, or it's like a, this is a legitimate contest. What would you do in this particular situation, right? Well, and it, and as we're gonna see later on in the show, you can get a lot of mileage out of a freaking headlock and a hammerlock. Oh, a hammer. that hammerlock was a thing of beauty, but we'll get into that. All right, so I'm going to give my letter grid for this because right. they put in good work, because they they did try hard. It was entertaining for at points. Um, I give it a C plus. What do you give it? So surprisingly, so here, so here's the thing, right? I, I don't like the way they, they set up their matches. I think they are a heavily overrated team. Yep. Um, the match of the year stuff is just eye rolling. However, with that said, the first, you said 80%, I'll go with that. Yeah. Of the match was not totally offensive. They were clearly working hard. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they actually did the job, yeah. I actually graded it as a B minus. Dude, I, I think that's a fair grade. That's 100% fair. C plus to B minus. Because, you know, giving you credit, giving or giving them credit, like what I said earlier, because they dropped the titles and did the job, it made me think, oh shit, maybe Omega does the job. Because my theory, and we talked about this on the Facebook chat in real time, I was like, well, what if they decide to just go away? Which clearly didn't happen, but what if they decide oh, to just no. lose and go away, just and the then opposite. the Empire strikes back? But nope, more more of the same from there. Just um, the opposite. All right, next up, we had the Casino Battle Royale with the... With, with the 
in the women's division. Um, personally, on this one, I was drifting in and out of attention on this because I had other stuff going on. It was nothing wrong with the work that was being done in the ring. I actually thought the, the spots I caught were awesome. My one qualm with this is I'm glad that Ruby Soho is in AEW. I think she's going to be a great addition to that roster. I think it's a great addition to the women's division. However, I am of the mindset that Thunder Rosa deserved that win. And that was my biggest qualm with the match. Because let's be honest, Royal Rumble, Battle Royale, whatever, over-the-top rope type matches, they're just very tough to pull off. you got a bunch of moving pieces here or there. I'm always very forgiving because, in retrospect, it's just a giant brawl where people are just coming up with cool spots on the on the fly. Um, but my biggest problem, and probably my only problem with this was Tiger Rosa, or Thunder Rosa, excuse me, not winning. Um, and, you know, Thunder Rosa, not Thunder, uh, Ruby Soho, didn't actually need to be a part of this match. I think she's at one of those spots where she could have came in and had like a CM Punk style storyline where she could have just worked with somebody conventionally. I think her spot with how they're positioning her was kind of above this opportunity. Whereas a Thunder Rosa who worked her way up, who's a fan favorite, who is without argument. I mean, no. Okay. Let me ask you this. If Thunder Rosa won last night, would you have been offended? I would have thought it was the bad. I, I would have thought it was the wrong move for Thunder Rosa to win it. Yeah. All right. What what what's your opinion on it? They need they need to make they they need to freshen up the women's title picture and Thunder Rosa has been and around it. Um, you know, my, I I wish I could say that I was some kind of Nostradamus by predicting that she that Ruby Soho would be the Joker and that she would win the thing, but that was the predominant you know opinion of most of the internet wrestling community. Um, I'll say this. First of all, the, the match placement was, was ideal. Like, right off the steel cage match and, and before we get into the, the stuff coming up, I thought this was the right place for it. But the format doesn't work. And, you know, the, the more of the casino battle royal format that I see, the less I like it. And, yeah. you know, obviously they're doing their version of the Royal Rumble. But the Royal Rumble works because it's one at a time. It's mm-hmm. spaced out at regular intervals. Everyone usually has their moment. And here... You know they do the card soup thing but when when the like for spades comes in and you get you know five people coming in at once no one has a moment to digest what's going on you know no one has their moment you, you might have one person from each you know suit that has their moment but i actually thought that that ruby soho the former ruby riot as as good old jr called her on the broadcast yeah. um I, you know I understand why you feel the way you do about Thunder Rosa. I, I, I'm of the opinion, just based on the fact that they had to go to Chris Statlander for a women's title match on this pay-per-view, that they need to freshen up the women's division. And you can make the argument that Ruby Soho is a, is a star coming in, but here's the deal. You know, for all the times that they, that they change around the two women's championships in WWE, you know, Nikki Ash, right? Yeah. Ruby Riot never won the women's title. She never she, won it. No, she never won the women's title. So she, you know, they never even, and and the Riot Squad that she was, you know, that faction that she had, they never won the tag team titles as far as I remember. So 
you know, she's not as big of a name as one might be led to believe. Yeah. But she is a new, fresh face. Mm -hmm. I like Ruby Riot, Ruby Soho. I think she can work. And I think that she needed this to kind of get her, to give Britt Baker something, somebody legitimate to work with as they kind of rebuild the the middle and upper tiers of their women's division. So I didn't have a problem with this, um, with her winning it. I, if, if Thunder Rosa had won it, fine. But eventually you're going to burn through Thunder Rosa, and then where do you go? So That's true. It's the same, it's the same argument I made about um, Bianca Belair at SummerSlam. It's like she's run out of people to work with. Now's the time for her to drop the title. And I don't want to see Britt Baker drop the title because I think she's the best thing in the women's division going on over there. But overall... I thought it was. I thought it did what it needed to do. It wasn't special. It wasn't terrible. It was a C. C. Yeah. Um. I agree with you there. I think it's a C as well. Um. Definitely was a C. Um. Didn't pull me out of it. They had some cool spots, and then you know, this to your credit, the Casino Royale Battle Royale format. Um. It's not like the Royal Rumble because I mean, when you look at the Royal Rumble, it's once a year. There's a clear, clear, clear. Uh, objective there's a lot of spacing and there's a lot of time that gets allotted to it because it's the main event this is this is it winner gets to the winner of the match gets to go and compete at wrestlemania in the main event so we need we need some fresh ideas and and part of the problem with professional wrestling is they take things that work and then they try to like tweak them mm -hmm. and that's why we've had issues with heel authority figures for 25 years that's why that's why eventually you got to a point in TNA where they had multiple, you know, contract briefcases at once. Yep. And even WWE is doing that now because now you got to have a men's and a women's Royal Rumble. You got to have a men's and a women's money in the bank. And it's like it, it, it eventually too much of a good thing becomes bad. I would I'm inclined to agree with you. Okay, so speaking of too much of a good thing becoming bad, we go to our next match. Mm, this is, I know, going to be your favorite one of the night. <laughs> this is probably the guy who should be the premier heel of AEW, MJF, versus Chris Jericho for not the first, not the second, not the third, but the fourth time, with the stipulation being if Chris Jericho loses... He retires. If he wins, he's three and one against MJF. So, how'd you feel about this match? Because I, I rambled on about the last one first last time. I want to get your input first this time. How'd you feel about MJF versus Chris Jericho? Fuck this match and fuck Chris Jericho. All right. Could we elaborate there, good sir? So, what was the point of all this? So we've had, we, we're at a point now, it's been 18 months of MJF and Chris Jericho. This feud has failed in every single way I can think of. MJF rarely wrestles these days. I mean, when he, we're subjected to Chris Jericho matches week after week during the labors. And MJF, I haven't, I don't think he's been submitted. I think he was pinned in a, in a, in a Moxley title match maybe a year or so ago. Yep. He hasn't been pinned or submitted in well over a year and he, not only loses he taps out to chris jericho yeah the visual the visual of mjf pinning jericho following him doing his version of the judas elbow and and jericho having his foot on the ropes i think they think it's designed to protect mjf it didn't yeah 
It did not. And whatever they have planned for MJF to get his heat back and send Chris Jericho off to tour with Fozzie or go on his cruise or whatever he's going to do. And by the way, I do plan on going on a Jericho cruise one day, but that's a side. I do want I do want to go on a Jericho cruise as well. I like I like Chris Jericho. This Chris Jericho that's been fucking MJF, I don't like. But anyway. Um I hated the finish. You you the last, it, it basically just made the last 18 months complete and total bullshit and a waste of time. And MJF, in my opinion, is now the, 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 the WWE Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt could talk, and he never won shit yep. until he became The Fiend. But that's I'm talking about cult leader Bray Wyatt, the original version. Yeah, yeah. No, I know Talks exactly what you Bray mean. never wins. You have this 25, 24, 25-year-old, whatever he is, premier heel, this generational heel talent who has a good look, he can talk, he can wrestle, and they sacrifice it all so that they can stroke Jericho off, which is wrong on every level. It's one of the examples that that it just causes me to roll my eyes when I hear about the high hopes of this great talent that's coming in and we're going to we're going to change the narrative because I get to watch this. Our- so fuck all of this. They, they better have a I, I tell you this much they better have a damn good plan for for mjf at this point and, and in my opinion the only way that they could possibly salvage this and this is what i would probably do and then i'll turn it over to you the only way that they could possibly salvage this is if this wednesday this wednesday <clears throat> jericho comes out and mjf comes out and damn near cripples him like i'm talking like you make it uncomfortable to watch, which oh. they have no problem doing. Are you right? <laughs> are you talking Lashley versus Kingston style? No, I'm talking like the uncomfortable cringing when you saw Nick Gage cutting into Chris Jericho's head with a with a sawed off. Oh, light you want that I'm uncomfortable? Like you, well, what what else are you gonna do? How how is how does MJF recover from this? Because you never remember who wins three out of four. Who won the last one? Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson, won WrestleMania 30. Does anyone really remember that he lost all those matches in screwjob fashion to Randy Orton and Triple H leading up to that? No, you just remember the visual of him, you know, submitting Batista and standing on the table with the confetti and stuff like that. So Jericho gets the last win, and now MJF is supposed to be okay after this? So, like I said, what I would do, you have, you have MJF come out, and he... and damn near cripple Jericho. It lets Jericho go off and tour with Fozzie. It keeps him off TV for a while, and then you, because he won, you can always bring him back at some point in the future. And make it uncomfortable, get his heat back, and then you have MJF cut a promo that says, I've been too cute about this shit, and now I'm about to start running through motherfuckers. And then you start sacrificing people to MJF. Because there's no possible way to recover MJF from this. In my opinion, I don't see how. He just got tapped out by a 51-year-old man. True. After so hitting him, after he's, yeah, yeah, he's all mouth and and no substance. You know what? Um, before I give my opinion, somewhat seductive steel asked. Okay, so he loses and retires. What is stopping him for going to WWE or on one of the other platforms? So basically, what this match was was Chris Jericho would retire as a wrestler but he would stay on color commentary. So he would be a commentator. That was the that was the key stipulation of the match. Uh, personally... Has there ever been a retirement stipulation that has been kept? Never. But uh, 
the thing was, I felt if MJF would have retired Jericho, it would have taken his career. It would have skyrocketed him as a legitimate freaking force as a heel. Um, the way they ended it, I could totally see how you what you were saying there. There's a spot in the match where Jericho, he doesn't hit flat on the canvas. He hit the corner, which makes you think the corner of the ring on his back and he's holding his lower back for the rest of the match and MJF I don't he could have really been hurt but he was selling it like he was really hurt so I think they mixed that in with the false count thinking that they were going to protect MJF but to your point he should have won this match this match shouldn't have happened if we're if we're being 100% honest here well, I, I agree with you. That, what, what if they had just ended it with his foot on the ropes, right? Mm-hmm. And then you could have Jericho just have this, like, campaign where he's, like, showing the picture. Like, I, I had my foot on the rope, but MJF still won. And then it, there, there's so many different ways they could have done this, but they had Jericho tap him out. Mm-hmm. With the walls of he Jericho. Got, cut his balls out. Like, why, why would I take MJF seriously right now? Like, I was already remarking during the labors that he was plotting, like, a 60s Batman villain. Yep. Now he's about as effective as one. So, you know, there's people that are talking like, oh, he's going to be great with, with CM Punk. Well, yeah, I would love to see them cutting promos on each other, but do I think he's going to be a threat to CM Punk? He's barely a threat to 51-year-old Chris Jericho. He's a joke. He's a joke. And he's got to figure out some way to get his heat back. Yeah, I, I do agree he needs his heat back. I think you got to go one of two ways here. Either you really sell it, sell the whole three-in-one thing, you sell it as a fluke, you move on, you let his mouth save him, and you get him as far away from Chris Jericho as possible, spare us, and you can still do your idea where you just feed him feed him some guys. Just let him, let him destroy some guys to get his heat back in a rage against Jericho. Really, like, maybe this could be the, be the loss that really snaps him into being, like, you know, less cerebral and more violent about everything. But he but he really needs to get that heat back from Jericho. Jericho just doused him with cold water. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I personally just think you got to just get those two away from each other now. Oh, I, I agree. I totally agree. I totally agree. But He's going to have to earn his heat back slow and steady elsewhere. Um, but, dude, I'm so well, tired so, of Jericho versus MJF. So, so then so then, if you go by what you just said, yep. he has to now slowly get his heat back. Then what was the point of the last 18 months? Oh, dude, you're preaching to the choir there. It was total bullshit. He, he had complete. To go out there and wrap a freaking crutch around his neck and damn near cripple him to get his heat back from Jericho, send Jericho off, and then he need, like I said, he needs to cut the promo. I'm done playing games. I'm done with this kitty bullshit. I'm coming for everybody, and then just have him just start mowing through people. But that's not gonna happen. They're gonna have him disappear, or they're gonna have him come out, and he's gonna continue doing the cutesy bullshit with his scarf and freaking Wardlow, and he's gonna continue cutting great promos, and he's gonna continue winning diddly shit, and he's gonna continue to get damaged. He's 25, he can still recover from this, but this is bad. Okay, so I, I take it you're gonna give this this one an F. This was an F. This was an F for you. 
me, I thought C minus. Um, you know, match itself, the work was good. Like, here's what you and I were saying. We're like, if this was the only match they had had, that's what I was trying to be fair with, right? Judging the match itself, if this was the only match that they had had, it was actually a pretty good match. But if you take the whole collective body of work around it with the storyline, what they're doing with MJF, I have to agree with you on the F, but I can't bring myself to do it because the guys did give a good match. Um, so I'd give it a C-. Yeah, I mean, you know, the the, the MJF's 3-1 and one against them, the three, the three wins were all bullshit. One was in a cinematic match. The other was in blood and guts. You know when he threw him off the cage. Yep. And the other one was in the the fifth labor match. I mean, like none of those match, none of those wins meant anything. This match, this win was the one that mattered. Because it was a straight and, up mono e mono one v one match. Yeah. And it was clean. There was no ambiguity there. He beat him flat. And not only did he beat him flat, he submitted him. He tapped him out. Yep. So basically, what they told me is MJF is is a piece of shit. He's a pussy. Okay, got it. He's all talk and nothing else. Damn. Got it. All right. Now, Steven is speaking very ironically there. We're both MJF fans. I think you're... I you're, love MJF. You're heated I'm, because I'm of how they treated him. Yeah. Because of how they treated him, that's where the heat is coming from with this. And then but, basically you're saying with how they treated him, with how they booked him, this is this is what you view this character as at this moment. And, and, I'm, and I'm heated about it because <clears throat> this extends beyond MJF. This is my fear about AEW in general because the Young Bucks do this bullshit too where it's like, oh, you know, we'll elevate you, you know, by, by it'll look like, it'll, it'll look strong because we have to give you two finishes instead of one. You're still pinning the guy clean in the middle of the ring. You know, the, yep. fact, that, the fact that MJF got the visual pin on Jericho means nothing. Yeah. He got tapped out. Yes, he did. Mm. All mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. So, Wrong. let's Wrong on so many Let's ways. move on to happier pastures. This match was my favorite Hell match of the heaven. night. Now we're in that we're 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 in the happy place now because I actually <laughs> liked the rest of the card. Oh, yep, Steven's rubbing his nipples. Oh, yeah. Steve's oh, yeah. all about this one. Ooh. We had CM Punk versus Darby Allen, and I read a I read a comment on the YouTube page, and you know what? I agreed with it wholeheartedly, which was, isn't it great in a wrestling match to see actual wrestling holds? <laughs> to see so crazy. To see a headlock, to see a rear naked choke, an abdominal stretch, a freaking hammerlock and actually believe that these guys are actually trying to inflict damage on one another. Wait a minute, you're, you're trying to say that there weren't that many wrestling holds in the in the tag team steel cage match that all these fanboys were collectively orgasming about? Uh, no, I did not see too many wrestling no. holds in that okay. match. I saw a lot saw of- a Super Canadian Destroyer, which apparently doesn't mean shit, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so this match, uh, from open to close, I loved every minute of it. Uh, starting with the entrance, I love that that visual of Sting gives him a pound, then Sting gives him a hug, and they're like, hey, I believe in you, kid. Like, hey, I've been mentoring you. This is your moment. This is your shot. Darby Allen, Darby Allen with his skateboard, which is half CM Punk, half yep. a skeleton. That was so cool. Like, I bet that thing sold like fucking hotcakes the next day skateboards down to the ring 
very ominous. The look on his face is just, I know I'm in for the fight of my life. Sits in his corner, waits ominously. Loved it. Punk comes out. And, you know, you and I had that discussion about, you know, with first off, he comes out, and I think he looked great. Like, he looked, he looked trim. Fantastic. He looked fantastic. He looked in shape. He definitely took this match seriously. And this is uh, CM Punk in tights. Uh, the three-star tights. I, I like the look. I thought it was a good look for him. He looked great in the ring. I think it suits him a lot better. It was actually, I don't know if you read any of the internet comments, it was actually a little divisive, and I didn't understand why. I thought, I, you know, everyone's got to always upgrade their look. I thought if he had come out in the trunks with the three stars on the ass, like it would have been like, okay, like fine. But I, I actually kind of liked the, the look. I did like the look, and plus, man, you know, uh, you know, you're a, you're a men's physique competitor. I'm a classic physique competitor. What I tell people is, if you don't got the legs, don't show the legs. <laughs> so. Well, and 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 I kind of got a sense that there might have been a little of that too, but that's okay. You know, man. Here's the deal. He's he's 100% straight edge, 100% natural. I don't. The guy's never drank a beer, let alone take a steroid. Um, he looked in oh, fantastic so. shape. Uh, Chris Jericho called him CM Drunk one time in a program right, heading into WrestleMania 29. You don't remember that? I do remember that, but I also, uh, you know, <laughs> it's it's also Chris Jericho. So we, we're that putting... Was back, that was back when Jericho had parental supervision stopping him from doing stupid shit. Yeah. Kind of, well, we, you know what? We're going to forget that because we're on happy yeah, times now. We're on happy I'm times now. We're not talking about... Happy. Bring back, we're bringing it back, bring baby. Back. All right, so the entrances were good. And goddamn, when would you ever think you would hear a pop that crazy of two guys sitting down looking at each other? So Darby Allen sitting in the corner just looking at him, not taking his eyes off him, very ominous. Punk comes out, sits, just does the, the classic, sitting where he sits down cross-legged, looking at each other. They both stand up. And it's a nice slow build. They don't. They do some crazy stuff in that match, but they don't just go straight to that. There's a feeling out portion. Like I wasn't just watching a wrestling match. I was watching a story unfold, and that story was, damn, do I still got it? Like, cause first they do that first tie up, and Darby Allen, the the you know he's significantly smaller, but he's significantly faster and more agile, gets that slick freaking arm drag on punk punk gives that great look on his face like oh okay then they both exchange bumps they do some old school classic stuff they work their way into some crazy shit uh punk hits the greatest greatest counter to the coffin drop i've ever seen where he just sits straight up and lets him fall on his back uh hits two go to sleeps some amazing counters. There was, I think this match was proof to the young guys in the back, or, or proof in general, that yeah, you can hit that crazy top rope stuff, but you could also do it in a way that's very logical to the match that doesn't insult people's intelligence. Um, I felt that the match told a great story, which was, um, you know, it, a lot of stories ask a question, and the question of this one was, does CM Punk still have it? And according to the crowd, Mr. CM Punk, you still got it. You still got it. Yep. Yeah. Punk still has it, man. That and then some. And, dude, how good were those chokes? How good were those locks that he was hitting? 
and not just hitting him, but hitting him like he was actually trying to do something with him, not just catching his breath. And he ends the match. Uh, Darby Allen, uh, he beats Darby Allen with a go to sleep off of a sick counter. Loved it. Pins him. Sting walks up, shakes his hand. They both try to help Darby up. Darby's like, no, I'm going to get myself up. I'm going to pick myself up. I love that that little take they did on it. It almost brought tear to my eye almost, man. I love that moment. Like, I was almost that fan in Chicago because I was like, damn it, kid. You just elevated yourself. You just had a great match. You picked yourself up. You fell down, but you picked yourself up. You shook his hand like a man. You took your bumps. You walked away, and then Punk celebrated. I got – look at the – goosebumps, bro. Goosebumps. Oh, yeah. I loved every fucking second of that match. As I recounted, I'm like, I I thought it was the perfect match. Anybody who thought another match was the match of the year, no. And and here's the thing. Did it not seem like the crowd was just in awe in the beginning because it was almost like, damn, this is the first time we've seen like a legitimate old school logical wrestling match in front of us and they loved it. So I'm I'm just gonna say A plus and I'm giving it to you, sir. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I had it as an A plus, and I think that you know, what else can you say except go out of your way to see it? And it's not because it was a spot fest, and it's not because you know the work rate was through the roof. It's because exactly what you just said. It was a old school professional wrestling match and an old school professional wrestling story and a story that's just you know beyond professional wrestling you know the young guard stepping up to, to to challenge the the old veteran you know the old guard like we see it in professional sports all the time you know the and and punk looked good his stuff looked good they the match was laid out in a way that allowed punk to kind of take his time like there was crazy stuff going on but you'll notice none of it was done by punk it was all darby allen working around punk but punk kind of controlling the pace a little bit he never looked blew up Yep. Like, he looked like he was in control the whole time. The counters were creative. As a matter of fact, I, you know, I had a thought watching the, the first couple minutes of this. It reminded me of the, uh, if you remember, and I, I, we talked about this on a previous episode, but there was that Bret Hart 1-2-3 kid match for the for the WWF yes. title on Raw. Oh, my the God, yes. The first couple minutes of this kind of reminded me of that, you know, because, you know, because the, the Bret Hart role now being played by CM Punk, yep. you know, the grounded mat technician – and this young upstart high flyer, you know, doing all these weird pinning predicaments to try and get one over on him. Um, a little nice little attitude from Darby when he was going for the coffin drop and he does the go to sleep. Yeah, gotta, to get Punk it, back. Like, hey, you yep, got a got a pop from the crowd. Yeah, you know, like well, like a boo from the crowd, but got a reaction. And then the you know just the little sit up. You know, so simple. Yep, it's so simple. So simple, need, but so beautiful at the same you time. Don't, you don't need to do the the you know the reverse Samoan drop into the 450 splash into the springboard you know senton bomb sometimes it's just a hammerlock and a sit up dude and the match was fantastic and the crowd that that crowd was into it they were they were very doesn't much mean into that it. they're always going to be able to do that but this is if this is what CM Punk came back to do. To not just the elevate Darby Allen, but to show that that locker room, you don't have to do 500 mile an hour spot after spot after spot after spot. Because first of all, you're you're draining the crowd. And second of all, your body's only gonna be able to take that for so long. Exactly, 100%. You know, 
this i hope everyone watched this like i said the, the best compliment i can give it is if you, if you haven't seen it go out of your way to see it it's not the greatest match of all time, but it was the greatest match on this show, and it wasn't even close. A plus. A plus. 100% agree. And you said Bret Hart, one, two, three, kid. I agreed. Um, that was that was the first spot of the match. But then I also put it with Hogan versus Rock at WrestleMania. It, it kind of felt like both of those kind of spliced together. At least the opening, basically how they both yeah. feel, felt out the crowd. They milked it because. Hogan had been away for so long, and now they finally get to see him. WrestleMania, mano y mano, um, no NWO backing him, just pure Hulk Hogan. Uh, they both took turns playing with the crowd. I felt like there was a lot of posturing up front. Then they slowly built into it, and then it then it spliced into that Bret Hart one two three kid. But I, I agree with you wholeheartedly and, there. And there was and there was a vocal contingent that was pro Darby Allen, and I think that. You know, the last thing I'll say about this, um, AEW also s controlled themselves from getting into some of their tropes. There was no jump start before the bell. There was, you know, they, they resisted the urge to have somebody jump in, you know, do a run in, you know, because they think they're going to give rubs to their heels or, and thank God I didn't see 2.0 again. Holy oh, shit. Oh God. I'm, I'm sincerely glad and, it was just clean match, no shenanigans, yeah. GTS. And they resisted. And they resisted the urge to do something weird at the end with, you know, Darby smacking Punk or something like that when he went for his hand. They kept it simple. It's a time-honored story. The match was, was solid. Everything start to finish here was just, this was, especially coming off the abortion of MJF and Jericho, this <laughs> was, this renewed my faith. Renewed your faith. All right. Awesome. Well, you know what, Steve? You know what would renew my faith? I know we have a lot of viewers watching on the Twitch channel right now. If you are not following already, please hit that follow button. And also, as you ask us questions in the chat, we will organically answer them. So please go ahead. That also adds a little bit to the crowd. Follow us here on Twitch. Subscribe to us on YouTube. But moving into the next match... Um, personally, I always loved Paul White. I liked him as the giant in WCW. I loved him as the big show in WWF, WWE. Um, this was what we all knew it was going to be. It was going to be a squash match against, a, uh, against QT Marshall, who I'm sure is a good human being. But, you know, he's a heel with no real heat. Like, he's not a guy who I wanted to see get his ass beat. Um, it was one of those things where, for me, it felt like, okay... We just gave the match of the night before we put the main event out there. We got to put something here as filler to get the crowd, you know, get them, get their minds off of what they just saw. That's what this was. Paul White hit the choke slam. I loved it. Um, it wasn't, it did exactly what it needed to do. I'm not going to go into deep criticism here because I think this whole thing was put on the card for this purpose in general and it did its job. C plus for me. That's all I'll say. Yeah, I, I add it as a C minus. I think it, it was in the right spot. I, I totally agree with you. Here, here's here's my only criticism of this, and it's not a criticism of the match. This match is the is the epitome of the problem that they're about to have. Because for whatever reason, they love putting QT Marshall and Camaroto and all these other freaking nozzles on TV. Uh, I know QT does something with the booking committee, with the booking committee, or he's he's friends with the with the vice presidents. I don't know, but 
he's a joke. This him him and the and the factory are jokes. They need to go away. You know, you have this this star in white who, in my opinion, probably shouldn't wrestle. Yeah. He's forty nine years old. Yeah. He's had his hip replaced. Like they kept it simple, which was fine. But again, you have these stars coming in, and then for for all these stars that you have in there and all this young talent you want to elevate, you've got QT Marshall, and you've got you know Private Party and the night and the Hardy office and just just they 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 gotta get there and and i know you're gonna hate me for saying this but orange cassidy as well no 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 orange cast if orange cassidy goes i go that's how it works so so they have to they have to figure out their hierarchy and you you mentioned it before like the a tier b tier c tier they they gotta do a they gotta do a recalibration right now and like i and like i said then they need to start being judicious and strategic with where they allot television time. If you want QT Marshall and those guys on dark, fine, you know, free internet, fine. It, there, there's there, there's room for that. And then you have kind of like your minor, you know, they, not that they have a minor league, but then you have a, a breeding ground for some of their even younger and greener talent. Yep. But I, I don't need to see QT Marshall involved in anything for a while. And that's the last I'll say on this. I would agree with you. So C plus for me, C minus for you. C minus. That's let's just move on to the main event, which I here's the thing. I thought Christian and Omega, I thought they put on a pretty good match. All things considered, I liked I liked a lot of the spots that they hit. Um, you know what, dude? I, I understand that um, you know we've we've been we've been we've had our criticisms of uh, Mr. Kenny Omega uh, for some of the spots, some of the booking, um, maybe a title run that's been a little bit longer <laughs> than what it should be. Um, but what I will say is it was a great match. The Young Bucks actually put on a uh, the Young Bucks dropping the title actually put me on my heels a little bit. Like hey, maybe he might go away, which is what I said before. Um, some of the spots that both those guys hit were great. That gash on Christian's side, I was like, oh, my God, I hope this dude's yeah, okay. Yeah, that was gnarly. That was a gnarly. It looked like he might have cracked a rib. He was spitting up blood. Like, that wasn't good. That, that wasn't a good spot. That was, that was a needless risk. That was a very much a needless risk. And they got to do a better job of gimmicking their tables because if I were Christian, I'd be pissed right now. Oh, yeah. 100% I'd be pissed right now. I'm sure he is pissed. I'm sure somebody got an earful. But end of the day... He got that main event spot. He, you know, let's be honest. Like uh, Christian got a spot where if he went to WWE, back to WWE, he wouldn't have gotten that spot. So he was in the main event. He got a title fight. Um, he got he pinned. They respect him in that organization because he pinned Omega clean. Uh, what two weeks ago to get the Impact title off of Omega? So you know, it's very clear that he's at least at the very least respected in that locker room and respected in AEW. Uh, the match itself, they put in good work. Uh, I thought the, the ending finisher was an unnecessary risk, but it was a cool, yeah. it was a very cool high spot though. Um, for me, I know you're probably not gonna agree with this, but then do we package this match with what happened after or what happened after no, was its own I think, thing? I think, we need, I think it needs to be separate. Okay, I think it needs to be separate. if it's its own it's separate thing, I gotta give this match a B. It's a B for me because I we I mean 
it didn't do anything that I wasn't expecting, and I was thoroughly entertained, and because of what the Young Bucks did, there was actually moments where my belief was suspended, and I thought that Christian could actually win. So, B for me. Yeah, so so this was my lock of the night, Omega winning. That didn't change when I when the, the Lucha Brothers won. I, I never had a doubt in my mind that Omega was winning this, and... Honestly, I didn't like this match as much as I liked their Rampage match, and I think the reason for that was is the Rampage match was fresh. It was it was the first time they had wrestled, and, and we had just seen this two weeks ago. So, um, much like everything else involving the Elite, this was overbooked. You know, the, the Good Brothers coming in and interfering, the table, Don Callis in the ring, like approaching Cage, and then the other the other moment when Callis was distracting the referee for what looked like about 45 solid seconds. Yeah. While uh, I think it was Carl Anderson jumped up on the like, I, I don't again, you know, it's things like this that just uh, it's frustrating. But you know, the 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 it was a cool spot with the one winged angel off the top but they had already established that no one is kicked out of the one wing angel so i understand that they're respecting christian slightly but considering his neck issues i thought it was an unnecessary risk it's not like anyone's kicked out of a regular one yet and i thought that especially with the it wasn't fortunate that he had that happen with his rib but i think they're you know he, he's hurt he's, he's spitting up blood at one point you know just why he felt the need to kick to go through with that is just odd to me I th- um, you know, part of me, part of me thinks it's, it must be one of those things where that's one of those guys. I don't think Chris. I've never met the guy, but I would imagine you know his road, his tough road with WWE, and then getting you know a title. When he was in TNA, he was the champion for a bit. He did have a good title run. I liked him mm-hmm. as the champ of the TNA. I, I loved him as the TNA champion. Well, he was the NWA champ, NWA TNA champion. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I loved it. So in my in my opinion, I think that's one of those guys who's old school who believes that hey, if I'm the last guy on the card, I need to deliver. So I agree with you. He could have taken a regular one one winged angel, and everybody would have been fine with it, knowing that he was spitting up blood. <laughs> I think we all would have been cool with it. But I think it was yeah. one of those things where he just wanted to give the best performance he possibly could, so he took it from the top sure. rope. So. All, a, all the respect a, to him, but dude, when you got a, when you're spitting blood, you know you have the ultimate excuse to even just take a simple roll up and call it. Yeah, so so I had this at a B minus for the match just because of the the overbooked nature, the fact that it wasn't it didn't feel as good as their first one felt. But again, hey, this was just a setup for the things to come. So you know if you want to get into that, we can get into that. All right, so in true um, elite fashion, Young Bucks come and they are freaking broken and clear. I I respected this because I'm pretty sure they were iced up for real from their last match. Uh, They come out uh, along with the other tag team who are the Impact Tag Champions, and they start just beating the shit out of Christian for no reason. Uh, Jurassic Express comes out to try to save them. Uh, they're laid out for six minutes despite taking, uh, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't even say a 20th of the offense that, uh, that was delivered. Anyways, uh, Kenny Omega gets on the mic and he actually has some good things to say there. Um, what he says is no one, no one can beat me. They either, anyone who even has a chance of beating me is either not here, retired or dead. Lights go out. Adam Cole's music pops up. Adam Cole comes out. 
and then uh, JR, JR must love this guy because even JR's like, it's Adam Cole, baby. <laughs> I was like, all right, this guy, if you get that type of emotional response from JR, you must be over. Uh, so Adam Cole comes down. We think he's going to, you know, do the CM Punk babyface thing. Not the case. Super kicks Jungle Boy, my favorite AEW wrestler, right in the face. Uh, gets three. The Young Bucks and uh, Kenny Omega give him a kiss, and they're about to get into some stuff. Uh, Kenny Omega's about to quote-unquote send everybody home happy, send them home happy, about does a one-liner. All of a sudden, dun da 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 Daniel Bryan comes in, and honestly, we were on the chat. I thought it was going to be Punk that would come out and save him because uh, Kenny made that best in the world reference. So I was like, okay, well, this this could be it. Uh, but no, it is uh, Brian Daniels, right? Brian Daniels. Brian Danielson comes out, uh, freaking saves their ass, throws, beats the crap out of one of the one of the young bucks, um, saves the day, gives hugs to everybody, and sends people home happy. But if you watch the YouTube clip, he had some things to say after the match, and I thought it was very elegant, very cool, and just very on brand for who he is. Um, basically, um, he goes on the microphone and he says, look, I'm one of the guys I actually still love where I worked before. So he's not a disgruntled employee, which I think actually speaks louder for AEW because he's like, hey, I wasn't, I wasn't pissed. I was just... You know, I saw how great you fans were. I saw how great the talent is. And then knowing that he's going to come in and he's going to push some people down, he does the right thing and thanks all the guys who got there before him who helped establish that platform that already was. Um, and then he sends everybody home happy. Um, let's see. Uh, what letter grade can I give this? Uh, let's see. Um, you brought in two A-listers. Uh you immediately uh, freaking raised your company up by about four levels. Uh, yeah, A plus 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 plus. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's an A. It's an A for me. The that segment's an A just based off of the value it brought to the company. Now, like you said, they just have to not fuck it up. What What were your thoughts in general? The most cathartic ten minutes I've had as a wrestling fan since the. Well, since the first 10 minutes of CM Punk versus Darby Allen, but before that, uh, the most cathartic 10 minutes I've had as a wrestling fan since probably about 1999. Yep. Um, honestly, honestly, they they kind of swerved me a little bit because when he when Omega delivered the or, or deadline and then the lights went out for for a split second, I'm like, did they just bring in Bray Wyatt? Uh, honestly. Yeah. And then and then here's Adam Cole, and I'm like, okay, this makes sense. Him kicking Jungle Boy didn't catch me by surprise because he's, you know, they've been aligned before. Although I will say that I'm intrigued by Adam Cole has, um, he's run his own faction the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. You know, the Undisputed Era over in NXT. Yep. So I don't know, you know, him playing second fiddle to Omega, especially being new in the company, is going to be interesting. I think Adam Cole is a better personality than Omega, and I, and candidly, I think he's a better worker, but. Um, so that'll be interesting to see. But for now, he's aligned with them. The Flight of the Valkyries hits. I lost my shit, I'll admit. Um, you know, we've had discussions about when was the right time to debut him. 
this worked. It did. Um, you know, uh, that's all you can say. You so, know, the other thing he said, the other thing he said real quick in his, uh, in the post, uh, after the, the show went off the air, he also said that, um, you know, there's everyone here thinks they're elite. Well, I'm here to make, to, to find out if they really are. You yeah. Know, I loved it. That was you know, great. He, it, it's, it's, it's fun to be a wrestling fan sometimes. And this is one of those times. So, um, I'm excited to see what the future holds here. If I had to give it a letter grade, I would give it an R and Anderson. It's a double A. Double A. Double freaking A. Awesome. All right, folks. Well, there you have it. Actually, before we go, before I send us home, what would you give overall? The goods, the bads, the greats, the stupids, the wonderful. Um, when, what letter grade do you give AEW All Out 2021? What is your letter grade? It's an A minus. The the minus is strictly because of the the nasty stench surrounding what they did to MJF. Other than that, I thought this was as perfect a wrestling show as it probably could have been, given given the stories heading into this and the talent that they have. I am gonna agree with you. I'm going one step ahead. I thought A. I thought A because. In one night, they just elevated their entire company to a level to, to the highest level that it is that it has been. And 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 here's the thing, you know, not to not to delay us, but just to, just for a minute, you know, SummerSlam was a good show. Mm -hmm. You know, we were there obviously in person, but every match, every WWE match for the most part is the same. Yeah, right. And here, you know, surprises aside, and WWE did their fair share of their fair share of surprising bringing back becky lynch and bringing back brock lesnar but given the aside from the surprises there was just a little of, of everything on this card you know between the eddie kingston and miro the new japan stuff the the you know the up-and-coming women bringing in a ruby riot um the uh you know, what should have been mjf's crowning moment but whatever you know elevating the new talent the return of cm punk just everything was just spot on the minus is a minor criticism i would i could easily settle for an a but i will stick by my guns and say it is an a minus a minus that uh yep a minus a for me um i think when you elevate your company in one show in two moments um you know dude here's the thing and i'm already looking through twitter and you see a lot of guys with popularity who are, are tweeting like AEW's inspiring me right now. So you literally like th think about it like this. There was a group of guys who were probably maybe not the same level as a Dan as a Brian Danielson, but were on the periphery there who were like, ah, I don't know if I want to go to AEW. It's Punk going there, uh, Malachi Black going there, uh, freaking Adam Cole going there. All those guys being there now made AEW cool. For guys who are current workers and hey. I'm gonna make I'm gonna make my bold prediction of the year this is my bold prediction within the next 12 months we're gonna see a current a-lister in the WWE a current active a-lister will make a jump to AEW that's my that's my prediction within the next 12 months but I will turn it over to you sir well the last thing I'll say about this is that you know and it's not to compare them against WWE. However, it, that, that's, you know, that's where everyone wants to go because, you know, competition, we all want competition. We're, we're, we're a naturally competitive species. Mm -hmm. So 
you know, even being there live at SummerSlam, there were times when some of those matches were just kind of like, all right, can we can we move past this? You mm-hmm. know, I, having to see Xavier Woods come out with a freaking water cannon with the Miz and Morrison was oh, just hard. Oh, with to his little Razor and Ramon type of gimmick. Yeah. And, and the best compliment I can give AEW right now is that I don't always agree with everything that they do. I, I you know, I, I disagree with a lot of people about the Bucks, and, you know, I, obviously I hated what they did with MJF, but from top to bottom, they had my attention. It never seemed to drag, and the, and the best compliment I can give them is that regardless of what's going on, it's at least fun. You know what? I will give you that. It's fun. No two matches were exactly alike. They all had their own no. different formulas. And even the ones we didn't disagree with, they were at least different. It wasn't like you're watching the same thing over. It's not like missionary position over mm. and over and over again. You got to give the Roman no, Reigns this, call back. This was definitely not missionary position. This was not missionary position. I'll tell you that much. All right, so, Steve, where can the people at home follow you if they want to stay up to date on all the Steve Slammer news? Well, I'm on the gram, the Instagram. It's Steve underscore Slammer. Very nice. Follow him. I delivered that I delivered that in a way that made you feel like there was more. There wasn't. That's all that there was. That's amazing. Well, yeah, well, that's all you need <laughs> is an Instagram. All right, you can follow me on Instagram at jackslammerfitness.com. Uh, you can follow me on TikTok at OJackSlammer. I'm actually about to cross 30,000 followers there, so I'm super Woo! stoked on that. Then you can follow us on TikTok at The Slammer Bros. We are on YouTube, and this podcast will be available wherever you choose to listen to podcasts. Also, if you are looking to get into shape this summer, I would love to, an opportunity to help you out. Go to jackslammer.com, fill out the intake form, and if you mention that you uh, you heard about me through this podcast, I'll give you 50% off your first month because, goddamn, I want you to look good. But anyways, thank you folks so, so much for tuning in to the 14th edition of the Slammer Bros Podcast, and we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye-bye.